Good evening, good evening, good evening. It's time for another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Brothers, how are you? Doing as wet as it was today, getting caught out in the rain. <laughs> I'm doing okay. My CPU has recovered, and I'm good to go. Doc? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It was raining this morning, but I was inside by the time it fell, so I'm doing fabulous. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gentlemen, I hope everybody who's watching can see the shirt I am sporting right now on this KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Facebook Live podcast. It's a nice, it's our, our college shirt, courtesy of, uh, I do believe, Cultural Concepts, correct? That is correct. Ah, uh, yeah. Feeling comfortable. Looks good. We, we each have one. I'm going to pan the uh, camera around in just one moment. I'm trying to do two things at one time here. <laughs> you better learn how to multitask. And you know how difficult that is for me, despite the fact that I am a wall trip graduate. Um, <laughs> so I have on the blue one. I get the reverse to work here. Yeah, you can see Wildcat has on the the black shirt with the the, the, the charcoal yes. stripe. Yes. And then Doc has on the, what color is that, sir? Charcoal. Charcoal with the, the white with the stripe. white stripe. See, we have different we're fashionable here, viewers and listeners. So, gentlemen, as I put the camera back on me, <laughs> I'm going to share with everyone out there in the podcast universe, the internet, and Facebook country, and et cetera, et cetera, and, and any and everything else out there, I have an announcement to make. And I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty big now. I think it's, as I put in, on uh, the Houston Round Barbie Facebook page earlier today, it's some cool news that, uh, and I did also add that it's cool news, but it's not that news for Kook fans. You know, I'm connected, but I'm not that connected. So, uh, but it's about basketball. That's the reason why I put it on the Houston Round Bar View Facebook page. The announcement is, and I'm just going to uh, tease a little bit more. Wildcat, as a coach, you know that uh, certain college programs try to have a home game when they sign a player out of a certain city they try to get a home game for that player yeah that's a long-standing tradition that if you get a player from outside the state that you want to come home and have their senior year provide them with a homecoming trip if you would it's the best way to call it very good and so oftentimes you call up on the schedule and you look for a school, Division One school in that area, or closest to that area, and see if you can schedule a game with them. Um, uh, and you come on in. Oftentimes, most schools are really excited to get it done, particularly if you're a well-branded program. Championship-level program makes it even easier oftentimes. And so you'll find situations where that happen. If not, sometimes you'll even see them go and rent a facility out and, and try to make it bigger than life. But these things happen all the time, both on the men's, women's side. 
particularly in the sport, sport of basketball. I love how, how Dr. Cavill leads me into that. Big-time program, elite program. Oh, it's a shame that the uh, the Wi-Fi is not cooperating right now, so people can't see my handsome face with these fly-fly shirts. <laughs> but um, they still hear us. Tune in on the, on the podcast. But um, we got to keep, keep talking here. But, Wildcat, okay, you're, not, you're not chiming in on, on what we talked about, about typically big-time programs do try to do this, correct? Well, Doc, you know, it stepped in and all, and we're trying to accommodate everyone by not stepping over, which is not <laughs> what we, you know, this, this, it's kind of defeats the purpose as far as I'm concerned, you know, because that's what we do. If you got a point to, prove, uh, to, to uh, put out, we uh, kind of step over. You know, if we don't hide, scream, but we do step up. But yes, uh, quite a few programs, uh, big, pro- uh, larger, t- uh, larger type programs do present uh, in some point, in some form or fashion. It doesn't matter what sport it is. Before the uh, recruit graduates from uh, from school as an undergraduate, the team will uh, sponsor a game. At that kid's, uh, that recruits home uh, home city, a home region, and uh, it goes back. It's you know quite a few years. Uh, teams used to come, you know, on a regular basis in this area, just because it was it was fashionable because they were looking to pick up another recruit. But in this process, though, uh, this programs you know the most recent has been was uh Yukon who scheduled a game against Rice with the Mecca Okafor uh that's the most recent no well, it's not the most recent well I put like yeah, the one with Duke uh well Kentucky they Dallas but yeah but you've seen to, it and some of them they come back because it's also a recruiting tool mm-hmm. but part of that is the bring them put in hand I'll so tell you one of the no, ones from one of the bigger thought. ones I remember in HBCU landscape uh, that sticks in my mind was California with Jason Kidd yeah they were bringing a, a player and from you, Texas and you know about that one sir yeah kid played yeah. for me during the, you know yeah. it, it, in the uh, off season um Coach Walter Johnson was a head basketball coach at Yates at that time. And the recruit that we're talking about is uh, Alfred Grisby uh, from the uh, from this area. A graduate at Yates, could have uh, he was skilled enough and academically eligible for a lot of programs here in the, inside the state. But <laughs> as they say, some people uh, just didn't do their homework. Yeah, and he ended up at Cal. Playing for uh, Todd, uh, Coach Todd Bozeman at that time, they had a quite a, had, a, had a pretty good a pretty yeah. good squad. Yeah, and two Hall of Fames, uh, one in football, one in basketball. basketball yeah, <laughs> but the, but the, the, the best part about that is for those listeners out there, tell them who the football player. I'm sure uh, uh, Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez, yes. You know, and he was a two-sport athlete that was good. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, Hall of Fame in football, it's hard to argue with that. Okay, y'all ready? Yes. yes. Okay. Got to do this quickly because Wi-Fi. Internet, yeah, whatever. let's get it done. Here we go. All right. And both of y'all stated that, you know, talking about a senior coming coming home. In this instance, she is a junior. Yeah. So, the program, the big-time program, the elite program, 
is going to give her a chance to shine in front of her, her hometown fans. That's nice. November 22nd, inside the M.O. Campbell Center. I hope some people really are listening at this right now because, and this is for my man Ralph Cooper, my man John Lucas, and Jimmy Hicks, that... uh, And King Arthur Prater. Thank you. You can say that. Oh, the, Don't uh, be shy. The uh, King Size View. An All-American is coming home November 22nd. Brianna Turner and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish will be playing inside the M.O. Campbell Center. Wow. 7 p.m. in a home game. Big time. And yes, they do schedule yes, those. <laughs> I did say that. In a home game inside M.O. Campbell Center, November 22nd, 7 p.m. The opponent is someone which kind of surprised me, and we can debate on whether it's disappointing or I, not. I, I'm not surprised. But the opponent <laughs> is the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. Yes, the Raging Cajuns will be playing Notre Dame Fighting Irish and Brianna Turner inside the M.O. Campbell Center, November 22nd, 7 p.m. tip-off. Home game for Notre Dame. Home game for Notre Dame. Let's say that one more time. Home game for Notre Dame, November 22nd, inside the M.O. Campbell Center. We don't call that Houston. All the, what do you want to call that, really? You know, we all claim it, H-Town, the Houston, Greater Houston all area. Yeah. Aldine District, Greater Houston. And it, why do I say it's a home game? Because it's going to be a lime out. No. Notre Dame wants everyone to come dressed in lime green to give the game a home court feel inside the M.O. Campbell Center, November 22nd. Versus the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette. I like it. That is my big announcement for the listeners, the viewers. I was waiting for, I guess, the uh, go-ahead. I received the go-ahead to make it happen, to announce it. So... Everybody can't be that uh, fortunate to get that type of yeah, information that's to, true. to announce it live. That's true. That's true. So that is it. I mean, I'm, I'm tweeting it right now because I think it's a big deal. So uh, to have a top-ranked program, nationally-ranked program, with a Hall of Fame coach in Muffin McGraw playing a home game for one of her players, and I, I assume that all of Manville will be inside the Campbell Center for this home game. A very large percentage. For to see Notre Dame, Brianna Turner, one of their own, come home to uh, face the Raising Cajuns in front of, I think, a large crowd. Wildcat, I don't want to throw rocks, stones at any of our local teams, <laughs> but I do believe... There will be, it's a pretty safe bet that there may be more folks inside the arena 
for that game than for some of the games involved. I don't want Houston area teams. Thoughts? Let me, having been involved in a couple of these games before, um, if, if the game was scheduled, you know, let's say one year from now, they probably could have gotten that local team. I'm I'm gonna give. I'm gonna start out with giving that the benefit of the doubt. Then I'm gonna just start ragging folks out. Uh, I can say, yeah, you can schedule the game, no problem. Things will get done. But having been involved in some suggestions beforehand with other schools in this area, if you can get things done, let's say during the Final Four, and you know a kid hadn't come home, and you mentioned some things to an assistant athletic director that's in charge that could make things happen, you can get a game scheduled that following season here at your place. Now, you may have to do a home-and-home, but sometimes you don't have to. You know, you just schedule a game, get paid, and move on. I don't know when the logistics and all were put together. I don't know how they were put together. But at some point, if somebody's scheduling a home game, I want to in your town, you got to look at some monetary value, one. Two, it's an opportunity to get your brand out there to spread out, spread your wings. Three, you should not be concerned about getting a loss. Are getting beat to death. <laughs> you just shouldn't. Uh, in basketball, nobody's going to get banged up, hurt. Like in football, you could lose some players. Right. But in basketball, you shouldn't be concerned with that. And you know you can always... And then that's when you work out the other part of logistics, which is four. If you're coming in, I'm going to schedule... We're going to schedule a home and home. If you want a home game here... I'm taking a trip to your place and you're going to pay me a second check. Still, we're talking about number one, money. Am I wrong, Doc? No, exactly. You're talking about money when you look at uh, scheduling games like this. But one angle I want to analyze in terms of a sporting marketing or sport business side of this is we talked about how you honor a player, junior, senior, bringing them home. Uh, to their home crowd. But you also have the fact that Notre Dame has made this in various sports, particularly in football where you're used to seeing it. But they've done it in various sports where they also, this is another opportunity for Notre Dame to brand themselves. Uh, Not only brand themselves as a significant athletic program, but they are world-renowned than having alumni all across not just this country, but across the world. So if you've seen Notre Dame, uh, just what, last couple of years ago, they played overseas to open up the football season. Uh, talking about playing in Dublin and things of that nature. You've seen the baseball team play in San Antonio last year uh, where they orchestrated a tournament and actually brought Texas Southern in uh, on that game. So you've seen them play. Oftentimes you hear – how they travel well, they bring significant fan bases from that area out. But this is another opportunity for Notre Dame to continue their legacy about creating opportunities to brand their institution, particularly in large markets uh, where they can 
continue to get some of the best and brightest students as well as college athletes uh, to attend their institutions. So I think that's another way to look at this uh, while this is uh, significant uh, in terms of what they're getting done. Can we throw rocks now? Yeah, all right, now. Throw rocks. All right. Go ahead. Now, going back to factor number three, you concerned about our loss, getting your head bad, that's not our problem. <laughs> you a, 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 that's not our problem. <laughs> that's not our problem, Doc. No. We just report. And I'm gonna be objective about it. Schedule a game and get take care of number two. Your brand. You get you got it to the, and you also will find you, your competition raises up. And as you have uh uh as I mentioned, doing a mock I uh, Doing mock process, uh, doing the process of putting the bracket together. If you schedule under schedule and expect to get to the tournament, unless you win in your 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 conference, you it's not going to happen. You're up. You just killed your chances. But if you take your shot and you compete, now you got a totally different. That's a totally different outlook on everybody at the table. You weren't afraid to schedule. You cannot be afraid to schedule. (laughs) Now. Back in the day, before they put restrictions on everything, it would have been easier to schedule St. Thomas University. Yeah. And and NAIA school, which was HBU back in that day, they which they scheduled Duke. They came in and played at their facility at Sharp Gym. Before they played Texas A&M. Before they, they played did. Texas A&M. You just scheduled a, they scheduled a double game because they had too many days off in between. Now, mind you... I understand as coaches and all, you trying to keep your job and everything. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, that, I mean, that, that, important. That, that's, that's important. But, but we can't. the only person you're answering to at that point is just the AD. But if you're, if you're looking for some fans, you better be scheduling somebody. <laughs> somebody will be showing up and sitting in the stand. And am, I, am I wrong, my compadres? No, you are correct. And I do have a little bit more information. Um. Like I said, the game is scheduled November 22nd, M.O. Campbell Center versus Ula La, Raising Cajuns. Ticket prices, I already have ticket prices. Yes, I already have that. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> Ooh, la, la. Hey, that's reference. That's a reference point, people. That is a reference point. Trust me. General admission, $10. You can't beat that. Youth and seniors, $7. That means if you're a student, got a student ID, well, I don't know. It just says youth. So, uh, didn't say student. It didn't say it's student. So, I can find out. Yeah, youth. It's specific. also for children. So, and then group tickets so must be a group child. of 10 or more, $5 a ticket. Man, that ain't hard to do. You get, that's $50. So, so, like I said, once, once again, $10. Well, I take that back. That's, that's 25 $7 youth or seniors, and then $5 group tickets for groups must be 10 or more. Once again, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Now coming to H-Town, the greater Houston area, to play a home game. That's getting done. Yep. A home game. A lime out. They want everyone to dress in green. So those folks from Manville, with Texas. These, with these, ni- these neon shirts. Come, come wear your lime green to see <laughs> Notre Dame and Brianna Turner face Louisiana Lafayette, November 22nd. I think that's a Tuesday, I think. 7 p.m., lime out. Notre Dame versus Louisiana Lafayette. And Notre Dame's going to be good again. They'll be one of the teams in contention 
to reach the Final Four. Final Four will be in Dallas, as we all know, because we are planning, already making plans to be there for the Final Four in Dallas in 2017. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, Notre Dame is coming to Houston, to face, and I assume that they will have a, you know, time to practice beforehand for media to interview Brianna and Coach McGraw and, and uh, staff, if necessary, on that the day before. So I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be an, an event. So I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. when I first was it was first mentioned to me before the mock selection began. I wasn't sure. I heard the opponent correctly from the person when she mentioned it to me because she didn't say Houston. She didn't say Texas Southern. She didn't say Houston Baptist. She didn't say Rice. Why wouldn't and I those heard teams her, participate in something? And she said Louisiana Lafayette. I was like, oh, okay, yes, sure. And then we went back to the mock selection. I was just kind of passed it off. Like, <laughs> did she misspeak? Clearly not. The opponent is the Raising Cajuns. So there we go, and and I'll have to, you know, it, it'll be off the record, I'm sure, but I'll have to find out from uh, Notre Dame, find out from U of H, find out from Rice, HBU, what happened. They couldn't make it work, couldn't agree on a date, you know, couldn't agree on the venue, whatever. But the bottom line is Notre Dame will be at M.O. Campbell Center playing the Raising Cajuns November 22nd, at 7 p.m. Manville, Texas. Is it Manville? Manville, depending on where you're from. <laughs> you know. You have to ask a, a person that's been that, that's a, that's been a lifer and that, I, that from down there. And no disrespect. I mean, I'm, literally, you have to oh, ask yeah, a lifer. I'm not a lifer. And, it, and that would have had to have been somebody that was that was in Manville back in the day when rice fields and all were in the spots where there are homes now. And since right, and since we are talking about Houston area talent, Houston area products, homegrown, let's give shout outs to Brittany Griner, Jimmy Butler, and DeAndre Jordan, gold medalists for yep. the men's and women's USA basketball team for getting it done in Rio the past few days. You know, the women's team won the sixth straight wow. gold medal. That's domination. That's the epitome of excellence. Kudos to the players, the coaches, Gino Oriema, Doug Bruno, Don Staley, the players from Brittany Griner, Diana Taurasi. We can debate this right now if you want to real quick. Is Diana Taurasi the greatest women's basketball player ever that you've seen? Ever? No, no, not even that you've seen. Is she the greatest women's basketball player, period? I'll go, I'll go to Doc first because why well, I can't think about that. Yeah, because I've seen She's him, not, I, Right. She certainly has the skills to be the greatest. I believe that she will become the greatest. But it's difficult for me right now because she's so early uh, in terms of uh, what she's doing at the professional level. Talk, she's 34, 35 years old. 34, I think. True. But I still think she has some more that she, she can accomplish. So yeah. I'm not sure if, she's, if I can say she's the greatest. Ah, she got four gold medals. Like yeah. Shamiko and Sue Bird. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wildcat, you want to you wanna retort or add some thoughts to that? Yeah, because I've watched, I watched the inception, you know, the, the, the women's game evolve from a sixth 
to a five, and also the skill level. Mm. And, and and watching, you know, players and all develop uh, when, you know, when it was still all in its infancy and there was no uh, national championship other than AAU for women's basketball, even on the college level. I watched it evolve to uh, AIAW, which was a uh, buy-in t- a tournament uh, played in Amarillo, Texas. Buy-in tournament. Oh, yeah. Doc, you paid your way. You got invited, but you had to pay. You had to have a, uh, had to have a, a truck money. Because you... <laughs> That that's a long ways, you know. Getting to Amarillo back in the days, that's that's not a fun trip for anybody. You doing bus or train? That wasn't a flying. Um, and then to watch the game, you know, get accepted by the NC two A, and they actually start to uh, show some stones and all that. It was something that. that uh, I'm being real now, because they didn't want they didn't want right. that to happen. They didn't want that to happen. No, they didn't. Because uh, the story about Immokalana is to be seen, read, and watched, uh, and be told. They were uh, the Bucket Brigade was something to see on the cover of Life magazine at the time. Now you know that's going back away. <laughs> It's going back a ways. Uh, and then to watch La Tech, USC. Who's better than Diana Tar- Tarasi? Give me some names. Uh, y'all being, y'all, you know, you dancing I, around. I'm, okay, now. Nah. Give me some names. In my eyesight, I'd have to say Blaze. Carol Blaze Jowski. Yep. Uh, who else? Um, Carol Miller. Um, even before her, um, uh, coach Nancy Lieberman. Nancy Lieberman is. Ann Myers Drysdale. Yeah. Annette Woodard. Yep. Uh, let's, let's bring it forward a little bit. Cynthia Cooper. Cooper. Yep. And, you, and, and it's interesting. You know, that team was loaded. I mean, literally loaded. Cause what, Cheryl what team? The, the USC team that Cooper was on. <laughs> the twins. Cooper came off the bench. Yes. And people, <laughs> and, and she'll tell you, it was hard, <laughs> you know, sitting there and watching. But wow. you, had, you, had to do, you had to do what you needed to do. Think about that, people. It's, it's, yeah. Think about what it's, they it's, just it's, said. That's right. Think about that. We watched Cooper play how many years in, 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 with, the, with the comments? Oh, first was the first four championships, obviously. And maybe what five or six? So, uh, how many years in the in the, in the summit before? Three. I mean, how many years? How many years in the summit? And then how many years in the Toyota Center? About maybe three each. So like six. Recall here, I'm not sure. But, yeah. but and, and then she played so many years in all overseas because it didn't have a league. Well, she was here. in our she had, she was in our prom overseas in Italy. Yeah. Yes. So we didn't see her prime years. You know, when she played overseas. That's amazing. You know, yeah. she'll, she'll say that her best basketball was, we didn't see it. You know, and then, wow. oh, yeah. Yeah, folks, that's just, yeah, we we doing a little. We doing a little. But. Everybody can't do that. As much respect as I have for Coop, Coops, <laughs> I'm going go. with Dana I know. Okay. Even though. Because, because, now, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Because you and I both saw wow. that loser, get, loser final for it now. 
Hold on, but let me say, and my man Jim Hicks, I, I was on his show a couple months ago. I was selling that water at the time. I think my Mount, my Mount Rushmore women basketball may have been Lynette Woodard, Swoops, Coop, and Lisa Lett, something like that. Some, like, yeah. some kind of combination of that force. I didn't even have Tarasi on there. It's just a lot of talent out there. It is. But, well, you're you know, talking about, you know, you know Mount Rushmore. It, it, that's, 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 it's hard that, to that's, do. That's, that's yeah. a challenge. Now, that's when, why it's fun now, to do. Cause it's, now, now, one thing about Mount Rushmore, you can put Cheryl Miller on that group. In, I, in, I think in I five. had Cheryl on Because it's hard. In, in five. Because if, if I go, you know, overall, both ends of the floor, you got Cheryl Swoops and Lisa Leslie. Because they offense and defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Lisa yeah. can block your shots, rebound, and Cheryl would D you up and steal the ball from, you know. And then they could both light you up on offense, too. So. Right. <laughs> so uh, literally, folks just don't so realize how. But everybody talks about shooting percentages now, and attribute it to some things. But when you look at the scale and all of what those, because the talent wasn't spread it out. You know, you only had certain programs that was that was playing ball back That's in right. the day. That's right. So the talent was 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 constricted. That's you right. You know, folks wasn't spread all over the country like they are right now. And it's, and you're talking about like the chain of states and all of, of back in the day. Yeah, you're going back and you going back in time now in history. Okay, um, the Olympics, the Olympic team talk basketball. Then we're going to shift on, over on to the, football. On, women, uh, on the women's side or the men's side? Because I watched quite a few of the games. Now oh, with, with a group both. of folks. But you know, touched on the women winning their sixth straight gold medal, Olympic gold medal, with a one on one seventy two win over Spain. Uh, they proved eight zero. They've won forty nine straight Olympic. Games. Um, I mean, the, the, the dominance and the talk about the rest of the world, you know, the gap I think is widened. But basically, it's, it's, it's because there's just not enough depth of quality talent throughout the world like we have here in the States. Women's side and men's side. Now, the men's side, you have more players who play. Either internationally played college or, uh, or pro, uh, pro in the NBA. Right. So they ha- they're more used to the style of play. The women's side, you have the American players playing overseas, so they're used to the competition. They're used to the physicality. They're used to all that. So it's not it's not new for them playing FIBA basketball, FIBA rules. So you had being used to the style of play to go along with the experience, the talent, and the fundamentals. I don't see the gap shrinking anytime soon because U.S. can go 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 deep. I mean, keep in mind, Candace Parker was not on this team. True. And there was true controversy on her not being picked for their squad, and the game still weren't close. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that, that's true. You know, that's true. Your, your, your friend, Ty Notre Dame, into our, our yeah, conversation. Yeah, it's, it's Skylar Diggins. Skylar Diggins was on this team. Yep. Yeah. And that's somebody who lights you up on it, you know, and you up, and, and so I mean, get after it. the talent level is is just tremendous on their side, and so kudos to them. And I think twenty twenty is going to be in Japan. I think twenty eighteen will be in Spain for the World Championships. I don't see, and if you know, I don't see barring injuries and defections and and all that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, to tap, I don't see that as well. And one of the things that we give a lot of credit to in terms of the U.S. is. Uh, that the focus on the distribution of allowing women to play the games and have the freedom uh, is still not uh, as equal around the world. While the world is moving in that different directions and you have a lot of societies where that 
uh, it's true in terms of least equality, the fact that at the college level that you have such a focus. And so that's one framework where you can say there are some positives about the NCA and the focus. And I want to make sure I make this clear. Mm-hmm. This is not mm-hmm. saying that I celebrate what the NCA has done in terms of uh, how disproportionately in my framework that uh, the teams in terms of football and men's basketball are not necessarily getting their just due. But in this framework, I think you can see the difference of illustrating why Chris talks about that. It's going to take the world a lot more time to catch up on the women's side versus what you see on the men's side. Now, where they have gotten better. Real quick, real quick, let me me say this because I got to toot my own horn about my my blog, my women's hoops blog at at HoustonRoundBarView.com. Had a blog post that has some photos that I have from Instagram, uh, the account Houston Round Bar Review. And we're all tying in Aldine, Nimitz, Houston area, women's basketball. Brittany Griner, Nimitz High School, H-Town, mm-hmm. became the 10th athlete to win Olympic gold, a FIBA World Championship title, wow. a WNBA crown, and an NCAA championship. That's big time talk for yep. H-Town product who Wildcat and I have known since she was in the seventh grade. Let's toss it out there. Anyway, anyhow, but go to uh, the Houston Round Bar View Women's Who's Blog. Did you see this coming? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, we sure did. We, we oh, oh yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. It was just a matter of time once, it, once the, 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 the teachings had gotten, gotten to the point to where um, she was grasping and understanding what she was doing and what she was capable of doing. And then took that to a level of uh, basketball skills to where it's no telling where that's going to go. I mean, she has yet to to yeah. she hadn't had a major a, right. a major injury. Thank, thank goodness. And for a a a, a, a player of her skill level, her height to endure, not just. In the WNBA, but also going overseas and playing, and then coming, you know, then playing for the uh, uh, Team USA, and her breaks are far and few in between, and during the season, in between seasons rather, that's saying a lot. <laughs> that's saying a lot because on the fellas, she had some fun. You know, the cause, Olympics cause on, the fe- on the fellas, you know, she's talking about her one-on-one with, match oh, with Boogie Cousins. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I, it, it's, it's one thing that and you know, I'm going to say this. <laughs> he may have some physical advantage, but on a mental level, some he, he on a mental level, he may break down because we all have been there at that crossroads when we realize, like, okay, this is a little bit more. I'm going to handle this, but this game is a little bit closer than I want it to be. Uh, well, I think he would go in that game with with the mindset that he's just going to outmuscle her. So, oh, oh, trust so, me now. So with I, that part of it, I don't think you really but, have but much of a content. Let's be honest now. Both of them have had problems keeping their cool. And, uh, thank you. Okay. And that's my point. Both, both, that, no, that, both of them have had that's problems my point. keeping their cool. That's my point. Well, on I the, thought that's why the way the they – That's why I thought the way they handled it. Uh, not – 
because it, it making it personal, but having some fun with it, I thought it was pretty good. For, but because having some, some some conversations when folks are sitting around drinking, you know, they all got everybody got to have their opinion. Well, having watched that, we got a that, question from uh, from our one of our Facebook viewers. Uh, okay, what if Cheryl Miller had played in the WNBA? How would her legacy be different? Oh man. It, Man, let me tell you something. She had bad it, knees, you know. It, it, that's really why she couldn't. Yeah, her knees are really bad. Bad. Yeah, and you know. and and it, she, even if she played, even if she would have played for a couple of years, I think, and which is his point, uh, it it just solidifies where she is. She's already up there, yeah. but Man, to play now where you have just so much more attention, uh, to play where meaning she would have played in some of the uh, Olympics where you get right. more attention, she would have dominated. And so, in a lot of ways, I think it's difficult to imagine that it would just solidify her on yeah, that. She would be Mount, Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. She would be. Uh, I think Mount, it would be, become more challenging. She to would take actually off be Mount her. Everest. Right. She would actually be Mount Everest. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I think it's a good I, I, Very few people can actually say they've been to USC and see uh, and saw where they actually played in. I had to ask Cooper about that. That's a small gym where they played their games at. You know, it's an offshoot. It's like a practice facility now. Uh, and to sit in that gym at that time and watch, and this was back in the 80s. Uh, no, I'm talking about, uh, take that back, back in the, uh, the uh, mid-90s, because Cheryl was, a coaching, was coaching the team at the time. I'd gone out there for a, uh, a holiday tournament. To sit and watch... I'm looking at this in this room in this, in this gym, and I'm like, they played here. <laughs> you look out on one side; it's all glassed out, uh, where you can see, you know, outside and everything. Looking toward the parking lot, the other the small windows and all that I saw, uh, glass opening. You're looking at toward the campus, but the gym was small, and I mean small. With the sharp gym small? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's small. And, 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 I, and, and with, with less seating. Okay, that's that's real small. That's real small. Let me shift gears and talk to the, talk about the fellas. And a quote, I love this. And I, he, he's gotten, I don't believe he's gotten enough attention for his comments, post-game comments yesterday that I believe he, he deserves. Carmelo Anthony. Man. First three-time male athlete to win three, three gold medals uh, in the Olympics for USA Basketball. A few comments that he uh, can the comments he said to Roz Golanwude, and you can go to my hoops blog at HoustonRombardView.com. And just here we go. You can view it as well. Quote: I committed to this in in '04. I've seen the worst and I've seen the best. I stuck with it. We stuck with it, and I'm here today, three gold medals later. I'm excited for me, but also for the other guys who never experienced anything like this. Coach K, myself, Jerry Colangelo, and everybody else who's been a part of this situation, been a part of USAB since I've been here. I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be one of the leaders, not just on our team, but of our country. Despite everything that's going on in our country, we got to be united. I'm glad I did what I did. I stepped into the challenge. This is what it's about. Re- representing our country on the biggest stage that you can be on. America will be great again. I believe that. We got a lot of work to do. 
but just one step at a time. I'm glad we represented in the fashion that we did, end quote. That's a grown man talking. That's right. That's a grown man talking. He that, That's a lot of maturity there. I don't care what nobody said. That's a lot of maturity. And you and I remember him oh, back in days. <laughs> when he was just talking he, smack every day out on the floor. When he was here uh, playing <coughs> in the Academy National <coughs> Tastals at where again? M.O. M.O. Campbell Center. See it all ties together here. With less seating than they have now. Podcast. <laughs> and M-O one thing, and we watched him make a pro move in front of us. To this day, stands out in my mind. So this is this is fun, and kudos to, like I said, DeAndre Jordan, Jimmy Butler, from being from H Town. DeAndre Jordan from Third Ward. Just toss it out there. Jimmy well, Butler well, from, let me ask this from question, Tomball, man. Texas. Just toss it out there. Nice. The 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 torch passing. From Coach K over to Pop, what does what do you see? Won't be any different. It may, it, it may be a lot worse because now you're talking to a no. pro, pro coach to, to, to a pro player. He, he has Coach Pop has so much respect <coughs> from the players that, um, and LeBron's already said that he would like to play for for, for Coach Pop. Well, I knew he went through. It was just that he needed some time off. Uh, you know, Olympics. But Pop has just so much. And he's so no, no nonsense. And keep in mind, Pop also has a military background like Coach K as well. So That's true. The, the two of Air them Force. have just a tremendous amount of respect for America and for what it, the ideals that it represents. So they're gonna, Pop's going to continue to instill that in, in the players, and they're going to represent the America and UCLA basketball in those competitions. So... We'll see how it goes, boy. My man Sid the Man is, is hard on mellow, boy. Let me read this comment here. That speech means nothing if it's not made after an NBA title. Carmelo is the <laughs> highest paid loser in NBA history. He must be a New he York has guy. He's made no one on his team better. Houston missed out on a huge liability. <laughs> Woo! That must wow, be a, is he an NBA writer? No, I mean, I mean not an NBA, a New York writer? No. That's one of my men from. He's talking about a talented brother here. Poet, singer. And he's. He's something else, man. But my goodness, he's hard on Mellow. Boy. Man, oh, man. Now, now man, you, 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 we've man. all watched him grow up now. <laughs> and he, and, and I, don't, Mello, ha- I don't have a problem with him being uh, hard on Mellow in terms of what he's accomplished uh, in the NBA and what your expectations for him to do. Uh, but I think it's short-sighted if you don't uh, have some value on t- in terms of uh, earning the gold. Yep. Uh, what does it mean for this country? Because at one point, you want them to play. Uh, you talk about them taking out of their schedule and to play this, but True. then you don't want to provide any credit or much of credit in terms of them playing and getting it done and having these accomplishments. I, I don't think it adds up. And then you add on the fact that he wins the championship at Syracuse as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can just erase that either. So oftentimes when we talk about it and look at it, we're talking about his whole biographic sketch. And I think sometimes we get people that just get focused on the NBA and championships. And without questions, a large measure of how you look at somebody should be uh, in terms of what they do at the highest level uh, within their craft. Mm -hmm. But to just erase everything else to me, is short-sighted. Okay, well, Sid has another comment. He says, name one player that has thrived under his tutelage. Talking about Melo. 
I don't know. I don't think he was ever. Sid's waiting. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he was he ever. Might, put, he might wait for well, a while. Well, I will say this now. <laughs> Mello was never put in a position to be tutoring anybody because teams just didn't trust him. And, 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 he, he is the face of, of the Knicks, though, correct? Well, now, that is true. And he had the, the one thing he hadn't done now. He chose to go home. He, he had a winning situation with the Nuggets and yeah. decided to, to basically gut that team to go to the Knicks. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think there's much argument when, when he makes that framework of the discussion. Uh, that if you're looking at Melo in terms of how has he made a team better at the NBA level, yeah. I don't think you can uh, say that he has. Uh, but I'm not sure if he's really that type of player where you look for him to literally make other players better. That's not how I look at him as a player. I, I, no, I well, don't. And well, he's got one chance now with Kristaps Porzingis. I think he's begun to take him under his wing. Well, and we'll see if Kristaps has become I, I, a better player. He's got Derrick Rose now on the team as well. So we'll see if that all threesome? those pieces fit. Yeah, because, I mean, if winner. this team doesn't make the playoffs, I mean, barring injuries, Iris, but if this team doesn't make the playoffs, yeah. I don't think they're championship level. Uh, you'd almost have to be blind for that. But uh, I think they can get in the playoffs and make some things interesting in terms of where New York Knicks were. I think that's the next step. Now you have to have the final piece of the puddle, puzzles uh, to put him in a position to really be uh, championship worthy. And with that, we're going to sign out of the uh, Houston Round Bar View portion of the KG Fifth Wildcat Doc podcast. And the why is that? And the basketball discussion. <laughs> is that why because we? Because now on? we're going to go to the KG Fifth Wildcat and Doc Facebook page because we're going to talk football and let my colleagues <laughs> discuss. What? Yeah, why, I'm laughing. Why are you? Why are you? Oh, why are you? Because you segueing out of that for for a reason. Now you need to. Just, well, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to confuse folks and have the football talk on the basketball page. So we don't have the football talk on the podcast page. <laughs> so, all right, all right. So now it's going to be on y'all to talk about because I do believe both of you gentlemen were in attendance. Was it Friday? Oh, or TSU Media Day? Correct. Sir. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. Whoever wants to begin the discussion and let me know how how that went. Well, let me start out because Doc was later. Uh, it was when Doc got there, we were already in the process. Uh, for the record, why are you throwing a man on, on the bus like that? Ain't that something? For the record, I was actually there uh, an hour early. Uh, came in, set up, helped some students get prepared as they were trying to work on the radio. Mm-hmm. I stepped out because I had a teleconference. In regards to what we're putting together okay. for the okay. Labor Day Classic, we will have HBCUGameDay.com presents Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab. We will have that live as a streaming television uh, platform uh, as we put together a, a two-hour broadcast. We'll do it in three segments. We'll do a 10 o'clock a kickoff, if you would, to look at the Miak Swag Challenge matchup uh, from 10 to 11. We'll come back from 2 to 4 and do a two-hour segment that focuses on the Labor Day Classic. And obviously we'll review a little bit of the Miak Swag Challenge as it should be over by then. And then we'll have an hour after the game wrap-up of the Labor Day Classic and the week of HBCU Sports as we kick off that first weekend 
at the uh, FCS level and uh, Division Two level of HBCU sports. Obviously, all levels will fo- kick off that weekend, but we'll focus on HBCU programming. So I had a teleconference to make sure that goes well. Doug, I appreciate that. Now, to my compadres in the media, uh, mind you, it wasn't a whole lot of us there, but a press a, a presser on any level should be, and it's open for qu- for open questions. Start asking questions. Yeah, we don't do a cow call. We got to wait on the mic. Sometimes we don't have a mic available. But don't let 30 seconds dead out time go in between questions. Because me personally, I don't mind taking over a, uh, uh, a presser with everybody there. If you're afraid to ask questions or you don't want to ask questions or you, you're looking for a one-on-one, well then, just we just have a, a cattle call and just put everybody into a one-on-one. We don't, we don't have to have a forum uh, platform and everybody sitting at the mic and you, you start asking questions because... If you're not going to ask questions, are you waiting for a one-on-one? You know, that, that's your prerogative. But when you schools provide you with access to coaches and you want to talk about that particular sport, which last Friday was football, ask about football. Don't ask about anything else. If you want to ask about something else going on on campus, talk to the athletic director. And the athletic director was that. Okay, now, Coach Haywood has a football mentality and a football, talked about football intelligence, talked about football football language, (laughs) which was discussed, and I kind of liked it, because that takes me back to the first year when Rice made the change with uh, Coach Graham. People weren't kind of, uh, were kind of, uh, uh, how can I say, weren't ready for football language being talked on the football field. They were accustomed to niceness, PC. Well, in football, it's a physical game, and people get physical. Reach, grab, you know, you talk to uh, talk to the guys. You want to motivate, but you also don't want them to be lagabazing. Uh, Coach Haywood talked about uh, time periods, like if it's a two- uh, uh, 90-minute practice, for 90 minutes you're running. You're not walking. You're going from position to position, station to station, and there's no lagging time, which I think is good because what that what that does is that sets you in a, in, in a mindset of we don't have time to be wasted. At t- uh, the other thing that was discussed by Coach Haywood was where the team is, you know, as far as, Who's who's ahead of what? Was the offense is ahead of defense? Defense is ahead of the offense. And right now, which is always Doc, you and I both know, defense is always going to start out, especially in fall drills, uh, depending on what transpired in spring, being ahead, yes. and it, just because all they're doing is just hitting. With offense, you know, you you got to set some situations up, and you're looking for some things, and you're trying to like fill some spots in. And you got to get your your quarterback who uh, uh, who needs to be acclimated to everything that's going on. You need to know where his head is. And you need to put him in the right direction and in positions to uh, succeed and not let's not so much fail uh, for the team to get stagnant. Because you want to start out this first game, seeing it as, as a uh, conference flo- uh, foe, uh, it sets the tone for the rest of the year for, on every, for everybody, uh, campus wise, 
school-wise, conference-wise, you know where you're headed. And we didn't get into uh, first-year coaching situation. That'll probably get get done at the uh, luncheon next week. Which Doc, I'm wait, I'm waiting to see because last year was a five brain. This year is gonna be interesting. Yeah, it will be. But you unpacked a lot. I, I, I know. He's talking about the touchdown luncheon uh, that will go on the week before the Labor Day Classic. But you touched on a lot about the media. As you said, I won't touch on um, timing in regards to getting started. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I was just coming yeah. back in. But I think you bring on, uh, bring make some interesting comments. But I'm gonna say a lot of that has to do with Mike Haywood, as he talked about in that session. A lot what he said was about physicality, making his team physical, and I think his no nonsense and his I, attitude. Actually, in in some ways, oddly enough, intimidated everybody in the room or a lot of people in the room. I happened to know him and got to meet him, so I wasn't intimidated because we've become, (laughs) in a short period of time, we've become friends, uh, at at least as much as you can say it from somebody that's working with him Uh from the media and on campus from that perspective. I I will say that, and I don't want to mislead people. I don't know him. At that level. But I think it's intriguing that you bring up this point because I really saw that within that room that people <laughs> were not comfortable about yeah. asking questions. The only thing I can really attribute that to is the fact that they were in some way intimidated about his presence. Okay. Um, you kind of see that, oddly enough, about somebody that actually he worked for. Yeah. Uh, which is Nick Saban. Yeah. Where oftentimes you find that the media can almost become combative yeah. in the way that he's no nonsense. So I think he kind of brought that to the table, particularly after the last couple of years, those same people that are in there or many of the same people that have mm-hmm. interviewed previous coaches uh, at HBCUs or generally across the country, particularly at Texas Southern University, where you had coaches that are a lot more amenable, a lot more friendly, mm-hmm. a lot more to the traditional HBCU uh, framework, particularly Asbury, because he came from that where you're a lot more jovial, a lot yeah. more joking. So you you feel easier to play into that. And I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong. Right, okay. I'm just pointing I, out I agree. The, I agree. the difference between I agree. the two. Uh, but I'm glad that you brought that up because I think it's something that the listeners uh, will be able to consider about that. Another thing that I, I – and I have to give credit uh, to two students here that are part of the radio, television, and film. Uh, they've kind of allowed me to take them take them both under my wings, mm-hmm. uh, although we're out of sport management, but they've come more – about it uh, as Robert um, and Akil, Akil Williams, Robert Jr., um, they talk about, they made the point on a show that they do on KKBQ every Saturday at 12 noon to kind of give them some uh, love and some pub, is the fact that all everything wide receiver. Yeah, I I, I was glad. What about him? I'm glad that question got asked. Got, got asked, and what was the question? The question was for our listeners. Uh, basically, you've got it. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but it boiled down to the question was was about Derek Griffin. Uh, Griffin, you know, how was his stats and all? You know, to, to 
if, if, and, you if, know, if, how would he, he fit if, in his offense? You know, what kind of plays would he run? And they were attributing to him being, now, being the star, star that he was and, you know, what he might have certain type of tension, you know, how are you going to call plays. And the reason we'll put that out there, let's be frank, mm-hmm. last year a lot of people thought that Asbury uh, did not throw to Derrick enough. But it was intriguing when you got the comments. <laughs> but a new offensive coordinator. He is not planning to focus on, on Derrick Griffin per se. Yeah. Uh, that he is one of the members of the team. Yep. He put that out there. He, Somebody else focused on and said that he, uh, when they listed the players to watch, that Derrick Griffin was not on that list. Right. And so uh, a lot of people were intrigued. Uh, to see that comment and the fact they were oh, on yeah. there. So and, we'll have to watch and see, does that mean anything or is that just kind of exercise? And Basically what they're nonsense. looking for is a, a lot more contribution from the other guys. And that, uh, that no, I think it speaks uh, on him setting a tone mm-hmm. for this team and seeing whether players buy in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if Derek Griffin has, bought, has in. bought in in terms of the way that Michael Haywood and his coaches are talking about being physical, being a total team, mm-hmm. and um, being coachable, uh, for lack of a better word. That, yeah, that, there that you go. That, that's the word I couldn't think of. It, yeah. And so I, can I, I thought about I that, think that, that's that. something to keep your eyes on in this matchup to see, uh, one, you know, what does this mean for Derek Griffin? Uh, particularly on this team and moving forward. So I'm intrigued about what is taking place right now. And, again, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I think it's just something uh, really uh, to talk about at that level uh, with Texas Southern and what we saw there. Now to a broader scale, I think um, it's going to be intriguing when you look at HBCs, what's taking place. The big focus is still on that first weekend. Yeah. Uh, You have Tennessee State taking on Arkansas Pine Bluff out of the SWAC. And – their big John Merritt classic uh, pass, excellent coach there. Then obviously you had a MEAC SWAC challenge, kind of gave you a hint that we'll go into some analysis here, so I won't give you a lot of breakdown because we want you to tune into that show. But that's a huge matchup. One thing I will say, that matchup features two championship teams. Both teams will be in the hunt. Uh, Bethune-Cookman for the MEAC, Alcorn State for the SWAC, um, Alcorn, as you know, have won back-to-back SWAC championships. Uh, Bethune-Cookman has won five out of six championships, including last year when they had a three-way tie, previous year a five-way tie. Um, so I think that is a matchup between two top three teams. Uh, some may have in some polls two t- Top two teams, one versus two. Others might have it one versus three to give you some indication. And we will be releasing uh, Dockerville's HBC major division and mid-major division uh, this week. So we'll be able to talk about it next week on the podcast to give you some indication there. That's a huge matchup. And then, obviously, that one that everybody's looking forward to, you got to believe Prairie View is going to be top ten. Many people have them top five. Some may even sneak them in the top three in regards to HBC Major Division football. So it'll be interesting to see as they host Houston, um, uh, host Texas Southern out of Houston, I should say, at Prairie View in the new stadium. A lot of hype there. You you just heard our framework of Haywood. You know Texas Southern will be physically, uh, emotionally ready in terms of, you know, you may ask how long will they go. 
they're going to be conditioned well. So that's a big-time matchup in terms of what's taking place there. Then you get to the big boys that a lot of people talk about, the major division, some huge matchups on that first Saturday weekend. If you are a Division One program out of the Power Five conferences, a lot of interleague matchups, big matchups between top 25 teams that just came out uh, from the AP, AP poll yesterday. Um it should be interesting to find out some of those matchups and what are your thoughts on moving forward there. Well, I'm looking at the first weekend. You know, as a matter of fact, the first game schedule, uh, let me bring out this, make sure I got the right schedules up uh, football-wise here, um, will be at home schedule standings. Uh, you know, everyone locally here is waiting for the, uh, Oklahoma, the, 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 U of H. Watch the Oklahoma and U of H. Top 25 matchup. Top 25, yep. Number three versus number 15. You know, and it's interesting that they started out last – they were one of the two teams that started out last season weren't ranked at all uh, out of nowhere. But when you get on the roll, you get on the roll. And now they're the hot – they're the hot toddy. Everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. Uh, we'll all see what, you know, what transpires. But one thing is for sure, that first weekend – oh, here we go. All right. Games to be looking forward to. Uh, it will be first on that the Thursday. Well, the first game out of the block is Hawaii, California. That's the uh, ESPN game, but that's just the first game. Uh, Cal is expected to compete in the uh, Pac-12, but what the one thing is for sure, everybody's looking forward to Saturday. Uh, First game that day of interest and notion is Oklahoma U of H. Uh, I'm looking for U of H to compete. I'm looking for Oklahoma to win the game. Most people are. That's uh, a diehard Cougar fan. You're looking for. I'm Oklahoma. looking for. I'm looking for. So are you suggesting they will win the game? What are you, what are you looking for? The quarterback position would be the, the big question mark. It is a question mark for me, mostly uh, for both teams. I'm not looking for the the, the uh, offensive defense because U of H has got the offensive line now is pretty much solid. It's, they've had time to build and move forward from a bunch of walk, you know, guys going down, some walk-ons stepping in. They going to a bowl game and winning. And trust me, that was a big question, a source of contention when uh, back in the press room. Like, how did they get here? I said, the offensive line. What you mean? I said just, they were able to rebuild an offensive line. Teams, coaches know how hard that is to rebuild an a college Division One offensive line in the middle of the season when you got starters and backups going down and not returning. I'm interested in this matchup because the last couple of years Oklahoma has not, when they've been predicted been, to do well been, oh, earlier, yeah, they haven't true. done well. This first game of the season, Houston's going to be jacked up. They're, they're going to have a large contingent of fans in there. I, I'm really intrigued to see what's going on in this game. At this point, you know, we'll get a chance to update this, but I'm going to go out and say Houston uh, with the upset here. I'm very interested in that matchup. Then oh, you have that. You uh, need to tweet that, Doc. LSU, <laughs> number six LSU. That's what's, put that out there right now on Twitter. Tweet, tweet that right now. Yeah. Uh, you have. Um, and then UCLA and, and take LSU and Wisconsin. 
Wisconsin is not ranked, but the, this is a chance for them to make a huge statement. And LSU, LSU, on LSU is on the road. It's in Lambeau Field. Lambeau Field, historic place, great road trip for the Tiger fans uh, in Louisiana, particularly after what they're going through this week. It's not the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field in September. Another one that is a key matchup, features SEC Pac-12 matchup, number 24 UCLA in some polls, top 25 versus Texas A&M. Sumlin needs this win. Uh, It's at home. Yeah. Gives him a chance to get a top 25 win early in the season and get the ball rolling. A lot of question marks going on there. Doc, hold that thought. You're going to focus. Uh, what you're going to look at Texas A&M as we come to hold that thought is, is the defensive side of Texas A&M. What are they going to be bring to the table? We have a question from the uh, Facebook page from Sid the Man. What HBCU do you really think has a chance of beating a power school? We know it's basically an exhibition, but you what said, are the chances of a you real said, upset? You said chance. Football. Football. This is the, this is the football segment, right? <laughs> hey, this you never football. know what the folks did when you when you got folks. Basketball is, is better. It's a better chance, obviously. But football, yeah. we talk football. Let's go football. All right, Doc. He said chance. That means they got to compete. Do you really think do you really think has a chance of beating a power school? And he did add football. This, he is watching us live. So, football. Uh, man. It'd have to be um, one of the North Carolina schools. Right. Uh, looking uh, at Aggies in terms of. So, you mean A&T and Central? Yes. I think you'd have to look at those squads. Central, <laughs> I think, plays Duke. Uh, so, that's a matchup. Duke is in between. They've been playing some very good football of late, so this is not the sign of them, but that's the type of matchup I think you can focus on. Uh, and North Carolina Central is a team that many people overlook in terms of just how talented they are. Um, so that's the type of team I think you you would have to say uh, type of matchup that you can get. Uh, another one I think is interesting, it's not a power five, but FBS schools, you have A&T, as I said, they travel to Tulsa. Uh, Kent State, I w- they should play uh, tough in those type of matchups and play really good. So that's those are some matchups I think that would become interesting. But if I have to lean, I would have to say North Carolina Central. This is a team that is tied for the MEAC the last two years. Uh, they moved up a couple of years ago, so in terms of their brand, uh, being the Division One program, people uh, are not focused on them, do not recognize that name. As I said, two years ago they tied a five-way tie for first place last year. They tied a three-way tie in the MEAC for first place. In both years, they beat A&T. Um, A&T, obviously, last year went on to win against Alcorn. So that's probably the team that I'd say uh, consider in terms of possible upset uh, in terms of power conference team. Prairie View goes to A&M. Don't see it happening there. So I'm going to stick with North Carolina Central. Because the one thing that I've, I've witnessed, even with the non-power, uh, the uh, FCS schools playing against against the uh, FBS, um, they'll compete, but up to it's like the third or fourth quarter, somewhere along along the line, after halftime, that starts to become a problem, an issue, and unless you. Yeah, see, they played Duke that first game, Saturday, September the 3rd. Right. And 6 o'clock game, so that's anybody else. I mean, you have 
Alcorn playing Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken, top of my head. Uh, you saw what happened like Southern playing Georgia last right. year. Yeah. Those matchups just do not work out very well. So when you look at a place like Duke, it's known for basketball, not football. Again, they've been talented, rich lately of making some moves, heading to some bowls. But uh, I just don't see them uh, if, as having the depth in each position. Mm-hmm. And so if there's a chance, North Carolina Central would be the school that I'd say watch out for. And who are you, sir? How can folks find you on the Internet? Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, a.k.a. the Sports Professor, professor here at Texas Southern University, a sport management program. You can catch me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's uh, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can catch me on all those. You can also catch me uh, every Tuesday from 6 to 7 at uh, KKBQ 92.9 FM HDT, HD2 uh, for Central Time, 6 to 7. Live show where we look at Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab where we cover all things HBCU Sports every level. We look at the MEAC SWAC that we talked about here. But we also jump in and talk about uh, the SIAC, the CIAA, as well as the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, mainly during the basketball season. Only team in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference that has a football program uh, is Edward Waters. Uh, NAI-wise, you also see Langston there. It should be a top-10 program. Want to keep your eyes on. They went to the playoffs two years ago, just missed out last year, although they did have a winning record and were top five at the mid-major level HBCU program. So you can get information like that where we go in-depth in terms of looking at HBCU programs in all sports. Uh, we also cover the business of sport, particularly at HBCUs. If you can't catch it live, you can go get it on the podcast at uh, SoundCloud, and that's Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, and listen to it on your own time. Walk out, folks, find you. You can find me online at uh, Facebook, TweetDeck, Twitter, at J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., uh, Blogger, Blogspot, YouTube, and SoundCloud at uh, AKSV DCSR, the College Sports Report. And we're going to wrap up the uh, video portion of the podcast. I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram. I am VHR Review on Twitter. We have our KG Fifth of Wildcat and Lock podcast available on SoundCloud and iTunes and Pod Directory. So thank everybody for watching the, the video portion of these podcasts. This one was a lot of fun and a lot more interaction. Thanks, Sid, for your questions and your comments. And got to get you a, a schedule so you can chime in again when we do this again uh, next week, hopefully. So thanks for the questions, man. And and everybody, thank you very much. Now we're going to go back to audio. Doc, let me read this to you, Doc. This happened today. You're a businessman. You're the data doctor. You're the sports professor and all those tremendous accolades. Wall Street Journal. 
the first sentence states, meet Kobe Bryant, venture capitalist. I saw that. I saw that. The retired NBA star unveiled his venture capital fund, a $100 million vehicle for investing in technology, media, and data companies. He is partnering with 43-year-old Jeff Stiebel, or Stiebel, I'm not sure. I'll have to learn how to pronounce that name. S-T-I-B-E-L. A longtime entrepreneur and investor. They have named their firm Brian Stiebel and will be based in the Los Angeles area. The two have been invested in 15 companies since 2013. But only after Brian's retirement from basketball have they decided to formalize their relationship and fund. The two men are contributing the $100 million which they expect to invest over the next few years and are not seeking outside investors yet. Current investments include sports media website The Players Tribune, which I love, video game designer Scopely, legal services company LegalZoom, a telemarketing software firm called Ring DNA, and a home juicing company called Juicero. Thoughts, Doc? I think it's a brilliant move. Um, does come with some risk. But when you talk about that type of money, if you're putting um, key people together that really understand venture capitalists and how to look at a business and see the pros and cons, I think there's a lot of room for growth. Uh, you see a lot of people getting in the venture capitalist, capitalist side of this. In a lot of ways, it's a big-time TV show uh, that uh, shows you the platform uh, where people essentially, that's what they do, go on that. They present their um, project, their business, and you have uh, people like Mark Cuban uh, to talk about uh, and ask questions about the business and essentially decide how they want to invest in it. And so he can also lend his name uh, in terms of some of these businesses as well as the capital to get them off the ground. You actually heard the NBA a couple of months ago that we talked about it on the podcast as well, uh, that the NBA was taking their players to look at this opportunity. So it shows you a lot of room for growth. So I think this is a very bright move by Kobe Bryant uh, to get uh, in a, a way to look at people that have the brilliant ideas of bringing very solid businesses to the table but don't have the room for capital. So it's a, it's a way to invest and grow your money uh, relatively in a sound way uh, but to ultimately have big returns um, where you don't necessarily get big losses. You can have losses, but they're not necessarily big. So I like the idea. When I first saw this, I was uh, pretty excited about the framework. I mean, they do have to make sure they do their homework. They have to make sure they put very good people around them. But I thought it was intriguing, as you pointed out, that this is something that they move towards, that they've been doing this on a smaller level before. So it's also intriguing to see that they didn't necessarily just jump right into this. Doc, do you have any thoughts on the contributions to the to Team USA of from the African American women? <laughs> black girl, the hashtag Black Girl Magic. I thought it's just a beautiful terminology to use. Outstanding that you see the accomplishments. Some of them uh, from track and field were. 
uh, expect it. Uh, but when you start looking at uh, what took place, uh, gymna- gymnastics, obviously to some degree going in, a lot some of people miles. from here, yeah, <laughs> Houston, everybody thought swimming. That, now I don't, I don't know black folks swim. Now, you know, right, what? I was going to say that's <laughs> the biggest thing when you started. Now, I'm going to tell you that Simone, you had, you know you also had, out of Houston. Yes, the one good thing about that Great was Houston. you're sitting around in a in a, in a in a bar, a sports bar, drinking and all, and you know who run, and that phrase comes up. Well, we all know now, black folks don't drown. Some no, of us they, can swim. They still drown. No, but some of us can swim. But some of them can swim. Some of us can swim. And to, to pop I don't want to put that out there because a lot of them they need to swim. But I think this is important from the standpoint that it, it not only are you going to have mindset. some people that that look into getting and spin, swimming at a very competitive level, but also now you're going to have a lot of people that start early and at least come in to your point. Uh, uh, so they will swim so they won't drown, which I think is a significant piece. And she actually stated it. You know, that was a stigma for a long while with both of those two uh, sports. You know, it's concerning the earth. Uh, uh, yeah, us, uh, the person. People of color, particularly African Americans. Um, from, from gymnastics to swimming, especially swimming. It just, you know, it was just far and few in between. Also, the opportunities weren't, weren't out there to increase the, the, yeah, the, the number, you know, put the numbers and stuff. I think like it's that. still far in between. We'll see. Uh, does this have what some people call the Tiger Woods effect to seeing a lot more people of color? I know, well, one thing we all found out there are scholarships available. And both of those. And Samoa Emanuel, Stanford. Yes. Will that that school is that making a, a lot of recruits. Ledecky, yeah. Will they not win a championship? <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> not, that's, not, that's like UConn. <laughs> Women dominance right there. That's I know. <laughs> but but, the, but the, this, my point is, that particular school is picking up a lot of uh, athletes from this area and taking them out to the West Coast. Stanford has come in and just pick, pick, pick from volleyball to softball, basketball, basketball, football wise. You know, that's been a place for them to go and thrive, especially on the female side. Well, I think in a lot of ways, obviously, the professional uh, level is not there for them. So if you can get a education and then you think about the quality of your education at Stanford think it goes a long way and it's under, very understandable uh, that you would see uh, women going to Stanford and getting a great opportunity to take advantage of. doesn't surprise me at all. Any thoughts on the the shaking I'm just shaking my head thinking about it the lack of success of the men's 4 by 100 relay team again? I am I'm just upset about what I saw. Again, I, 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 because for some reason they hadn't figured it out, and this is the, what the second Olympics. Oh, you go back. It's, 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 I mean, I'm talking about that. That it was glaring. It's like from, from day one tradition. They either drop the baton or get, in get, this get, case, get, out, they get outside there. The, the, they the, don't get the, in, the, in the zone for the handoff. And it's not like... And I mean, get a bad start and don't catch up. And it's not like... In this race, in this race, um, in previous races when they dropped the baton in the last exchange, they were ahead of Jamaica. This time, they weren't ahead of Jamaica, so it had not really been a 
a question. But it's just, and this is jingoistic. This is. Neither one of us can actually put a word on play, what, what play we saw. Into the, the, I mean, just one word that you would know, describe being a proud what we American, saw. We, uh, this is just not something that should happen in Dragon Field 4x100. Yeah. Every, every every time now. I mean, I mean, like I said, it's like <laughs> yeah. traditional now for the men. The women don't have the problem. Huh? Uh, no. Well, that is often as the men do. Right. Well, 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 but but I, now I they figured out a way to correct that now. Let's be honest. They figured out a way to correct that. And, you know, there were folks on Twitter talking about how, you know, comparing, you know, because writers and, and reporters were, were saying, you know, they were being critical of, of, the, of the fellas. And I, you know, I was critical as well. And the defenders of them were saying, "Well, you try to do this at a high rate of speed, you know, in, in that zone. This doesn't impact the rest of the countries in the relay team. They don't have these problems. We've been having these problems for years." Well, with, I think with the there's. Baton. I think there's one thing that we need to look at is th- is that you have many of the same people running on this team, and I think you could argue that that couple of the people on the team were uh, older age, and I'm not sure. Justin tradition- Gallen, Tyson Gay. Yeah, well, should they have been on this team? I think is a legitimate Another problem because yeah. But I think personally, I think they put them on the team to have some redemption. I think you'll see things change next year, the next go around. Four years, obviously, from that, two years in the yeah, in the world because you're going to have different players on the team. I think this team just was one of those teams that couldn't figure it out. They tried to give them every opportunity, and this was their final showcase to get it right. If not beat Jamaica, at least medal. They essentially did. Obviously, you come back and look at it. It was outside the zone. And they finished third. Who was the second? China. Japan. 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 <laughs> I don't even remember. See, I'm gonna be you see how the world remember. has changed? I, I Japan. Don't even I don't even remember. All I know is I looked up and, and I saw Because we started arguing. And, and as soon as they brother got on the done. last leg now, he's, he's his uh, dad is Jamaican. Yeah. His, his mom is from Japan, and he actually was in Japan at age two, so he actually speaks Japanese. Dark, but you know, dark, dark. but he I mean, does. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. I, I get but that. I think it's but. unique to say that. But one of the things they talked about the team is but how they, well they pass. They how well they pass. But that team is the same team they've had all year. Yeah. They have the consistency. They practice that exactly. the baton, the, the passing. They really talked about repeatedly until they got it perfect. Well, it's not even an issue. Because I think it's going to be interesting to see the Jamaican team itself. Yeah, that is. Without, without Usain Bolt. With, yeah, with some of the people and, say and the greatest runner let's all give, time. Let's give shout-outs to Usain Bolt. That's Dude. a bad, bad man. Right. I, wanted to, I don't care what nobody says. Yeah, yeah, he getting out, get before, he getting out, he getting out at, at the right time. Give shout-outs to Phelps, what he was able to get done. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Particularly because, when you have somebody like Lockie on the team, <laughs> that, which that, which that, somebody has that, finally stepped up and said, "This is ridiculous. We can't support this." Speedo, he, he, he lost. Over exaggerated, Doc. He over exaggerated. Much, much. Yeah, uh, as I was calling a lie. That's what we call it. <laughs> <and> he lied. <laughs> okay. We, Some we, folks we, say he, we, he we went. We went. Yeah, let's down. just say yeah, he, he when you're in a bar, but I wanted, We, we kind of like went there. We we went there. It was some folks looked at us kind of strange, you but we didn't care because we went there. I'm literally. sure there's the people that want to protect him. That's what they do. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what they do. This is the problem. That's what they do. That's what they do. But also, uh, as we get back to the women, uh, I want to shout out the whole final five, as they like to call themselves. Yeah. 
particularly with Lauren Hernandez, another minority on the team. Yeah, Boricua, Borique, you yeah. know, Rican. And, and she and actually it, turned down her scholarship. She's going to go pro and get the money. So she turned down the scholarship that she had in Florida. Yeah. And there's enough money in women's gymnastics to get paid? Yes. It must be. Yes. I mean, oh, yeah, that's what it, I mean. Yeah. Clearly, she, yeah. she got yeah. good advice, and she wouldn't have done it if it weren't. Right. Uh, now, this money, which tells you the difference between gymnastics and swimming, as we yeah, talked yeah. about. The other thing, too, I had forgotten that in, in gymnastics, and I've, and that's how long I've been, been watching. They've gone from 10 to 7 down to 5, and now they, at the next Olympics, it'll be 4. As a, as, as a team go as, for a team go around and the uh, all, team all around, uh, so that means that's only four disciplines that you need to take care of in the next Olympics, starting in Japan. I was amazed at the, the, that the numbers that they you know because they gave a history and all of how they got to that point. You know, it's, uh, did they say why they kept? No, they, now that's what they had. They, that's, that's what they had. Uh, nobody's given that, but I think it had more to do with more countries that have come into the Olympics weren't able to fill a team of that of that side or they didn't cho- didn't choose to put enough teams into the, the t- into that discipline gymnastic d- discipline to uh, compete so they went with they went with, with the numbers rather than just phase it out because everybody watches swimming everybody watches track and field but everybody watches women's gymnastics they may not watch the men as much but on the women's gymnastics, they will people will watch. That yeah. was an amazingness. At every every night, the, the 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 screen on the wall had them up. I mean, they had them up on on the on. And credits to Brazil. As much as uh, negative, they framework that a lot of people. I think it came off well. Obviously, there were some incidents that came. Yeah, that they, that, and that's all going to be that. Yeah. that we've already addressed and I refuse. Some to tourist situations. Talking you know. more, but I thought. Uh, besides the volleyball team, yeah, uh, which Neymar was at, as they got a championship. The, the football is it, the football. He does soccer, what he does about. on a football field. But I thought it was uh, kudos for Brazil to get it done, earning that gold. One of the things that they said loudly the last couple of years that they wanted that they never have gotten. Yeah. They got it done last uh, four years. They they lost to Mexico. In terms of the gold championship, this time they get it done against Germ- Germany. Get a little bit of revenge from that seven-one semifinals. Yeah, kicking obviously not quite the same. Oh man! But uh, they get it done. And as you talk about Neymar, he he does what he does. I mean, to watch him on a football field, on the on the, it's, it's it's it takes you to another. You yep. you, you notice him scoring coming, the first, coming through, scoring the first game in the match. Take the lead yep. and then scoring the final goal to give them the goal. Actually, in the penalty kicks was just amazing. Neymar gets it done, unlike his counterpart yeah. from the South America yeah. out in Argentina. Yeah. Messi, that yeah. many yeah. believe that is the best soccer player out there in the world, who cannot quite get it done. And I'm not saying it's all him because Argentina has a great team, but, uh, but uh, Brazil can't quite get it done yeah. in terms of those big matchups. Neymar, yeah. And to get it so, done uh, in the stadium, Maracana. Yeah, you know, and for yeah, the, I, was, I, 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 I actually watched it. Watched yeah, the I was excited about that. I, I watched the women's soccer, that, even though the, the the U.S. team, the team USA, were out because I wanted to see, you know, who would get to the goal, and would Argentina be able to, uh, would they be able to pull up a, a double? I'm like, hopefully, 
Hopefully. <laughs> but but for, uh, I was amazed that the women had never played in the big stadium. And all the time they've been in existence. You know, because Marta's been at this a while. She, yeah. She's been. Yeah, it was a tough loss for her. You know, she, she's been at this a while. And then to finally get a chance to play in the, the big stadium, as, she, as they referred to it. And they and, lost and, the br- bronze medal as well. Yeah. Gentlemen. The Summer Olympics rating slip, the first since 2000, raises fresh doubts about what used to be a sure thing. Live sports would be a huge and growing draw no matter what. That's why NBC parent Comcast Corporation paid $12 billion for exclusive U.S. broadcast rights to the Olympics through 2032. Too much cable. And not being able to see it on a reg- on, on on network on a it's regular basis. Too, too much smartphones and streaming and stuff like that. Well, they're gonna have a major trouble. This was pretty much in a time zone where you could kind of deal with it. Wait until you <laughs> yeah. right get into these time zones. You know, with where Japan, you know what's that? I'm not gonna watch anything tape delayed. I'm just gonna go on the internet and watch it and be done with it. Yeah. yeah. Be, you know, you sitting up, you're on the on the bus, uh, at work, uh, uh, at and lunch. I also wonder how much of the negative framework of Brazil that we talked about, how much that influenced people's interest in this game. But despite that, the dip in ratings, you know, linear network, NBC said 78 million unique users streamed. Uh-huh. On the NBC Sports app. Well, that just tells you about where, what you alluded to, where the world yeah. is going to. So it's not, it's not just that you didn't have the viewers. They just watched it in different ways. Yeah, and, and that happens. The more access you have to technology on the next level increases your, your, your options and all to where I don't have to, like KG mentioned. I, well, I think the, 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 the bigger question from a financial standpoint, sport business Standpoint is how do they monetize it? That's a well, question the, we the, talked about last week. New media, they, 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 from what I understand, they go through it. You know, they put a package out before the event starts, and you pay, or you buy a package because that's if you are a, a right. Subscriber I, when, and I, all, when I'm saying, I know, it, 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 I know there are it. some packages and they do that, but I'm saying that's still new in terms of them trying to find the perfect price point and how do they monetize it from a larger perspective where they have significant revenue coming in. Right now, this is offset revenue, which is positive. Uh, but the, the the question that I think that people are looking for, and they're still trying to find out answers, is, is how do you monetize this uh, from a standpoint where you can really shift in terms of how you financially put a picture together and being sound in terms of what's taking place? That's true. Um, the other part... Um, and I'm moving forward with this. Does LA have a shot? And for the of, next bid of what? Uh, for the next bid on on the Summer Olympics. And that would be 2024. I think so because it's right now the two names are, are them in Paris. You know, you know, as long as Ryan Lochte's not involved, you know, you know. <laughs> I'm being real about this. No, no, you can step I outside the Coliseum in the wrong place, and you know you find yourself in, in, in the neighborhood real fast. Because some people did put, put, post on Twitter yesterday is that if the I, the IOC could uh, deny Los Angeles, and one of the reasons that they could cite is Ryan Lochte and, and how his whole handling of the situation and, and embarrassment. So the, he very well could be a reason cited as why L.A. did not 
get awarded the bid. Without question. I think it's a serious. So let me let, let, let me just broast it because the I don't see broast it all the, the time. The other issue we we still are trying to figure out with all what we've seen with soccer in terms of all the shenanigans, the question is still is at the table is how will those negative aspects uh, reflect on the new bid process? Those questions remain. Oh, yeah. So we have to kind of figure oh, it out. Oh, man. So I think to answer your question, I think they have a legitimate shot, but we just don't know how much the financial aspect will come into the picture. Is that a bygone era where you essentially paid and when I say paid, I'm talking about back. <laughs> I, I, I know. I, 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 I was, I was fixing the head there. Versus I was fixing the head there. Place. Then I think there's another issue that we have to put on the table is uh, when you start going back into Europe and you have all the negative aspects. Yeah, uh, uh, payola. Uh, not just payola, but I'm talking about on the world stage with. Uh, with all ISIS out there and things of the nature, you know, how will that take place in terms of which place do they believe are secure locations uh, for looking that, at that, so that, I think that, that will play a role as well as they ask questions. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. That was – it, it wasn't a forefront. It didn't stay on the front of my brain, but it was always in the back. That part of it, the security part of it, you know, yeah, I, think think that, to, I think, to, it, I think, it's, I think it's, it's a serious question to be asked. But I think when you start moving towards South America and North America, the distance is one aspect that makes it challenging in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, U.S. Is, is in a position where it's really able to close the borders and, and provide a lot more security, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you would think would make it safer. You. you you know a lot of the European countries have that as well, but it's still, in terms of vicinity, it's still easier to yeah, navigate it's, that. It's, it's like and a land without borders, you yeah. know, because you're crossing over from, from one country to, the, to yeah, the next. And you have very short distance even over the waterways to get in uh, and, and cause terror. And so I think that's the framework that also I think will play a role. I'm going to wrap it up with this. The U of H men basketball will have their annual tip-off dinner. And Don Chaney will be recognized at this year's event. Yeah. Nice. Don, Don. Chaney, yes. He had been on back, back on campus in a while. Dinner will be November 2nd, Wednesday, November 2nd, at the Hilton University on the U of H campus. Oh, that's nice. So mark your calendars for that. Going to wrap it up. Uh, gentlemen, once again, where hockey folks find you? Uh, you can try, uh, this is Triff Ward Wildcat. You can find me online, uh, Facebook, TweetDeck, Twitter, JL Woodley1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., Blogger, Blogspot, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, and AKSV, DCSR, The College Sports Report. Doc? You can find me on the social media platforms. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Look for some great news coming forward over the next two weeks. We should be giving you a lot of information, particularly on the HBCU platforms. Uh, Look for all American teams coming out uh, as we give you some information. Their top ten mid-major and major programs. Look for some information about the streaming television that we'll do for the Labor Day Classic. Also, um, you can listen to me on SoundCloud as a podcast. 
at Doctorville's Inside at HBCU Sports Lab. If you can't catch us live every Tuesday from 6 to 7 on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD 2. Uh, you can also stream and watch us on KCOHTV.com, KCOHRadio.com. You can catch us there as as well as if you can't catch it live again, catch it on the podcast. You can catch it on TuneIn. Just type in K-Switch, uh, and you can catch it from 6 to 7 every Tuesday, KKBQ 92.9 FM HD 2. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube and Instagram, the HR Review on Twitter. I'd like to acknowledge everybody who uh, retweeted the picture I posted of Gina Oriema and Tamika Catchings uh, following Saturday's gold medal win by the USA women's basketball team. That had to be my most retweeted pick tweet that I've had since I've been on Twitter. And the people are still retweeting that picture today. So um, thank you very much for that. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thank you for your knowledge. Listeners and viewers, thank you for your comments and questions during uh, tonight's podcast. This was fun, fellas. Uh, thank you very much. I like how we divided up in basketball and football, and that may be a, a working format for us to use. We already got a request for, for a from a viewer who wants to buy one of the collared shirts. I'm not sure we're going to make those available, but we will discuss that. They might be just for us. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to discuss that <laughs> further. Re- real talk. Cause, you know, oh, yeah. You yeah. want to have our Because if, if they're asking, for, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll find a way to figure out to provide. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm going to wrap it up. Once again, if you missed it at the beginning uh, of the podcast, the big announcement that, I'm, that I uh, referenced earlier today on, on the, the Facebook pages, Notre Dame women's basketball will be in town, Houston, Texas, November 22nd, 7 p.m. inside M.O. Campbell Center. For a, a home game. A home game. Notre Dame home game versus the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette. 7 p.m. tip-off. Notre Dame wants the fans to wear lime green inside Emma Campbell Center. It's a home game for Brianna Turner. Manville, Texas. Home game for her. Junior. 6'3 All-American. Home game for her. Notre Dame. Nationally ranked Notre Dame will be here November 22nd, 7 p.m. inside M.O. Campbell Center. I'll talk about that more and more as we get closer and closer to that basketball game. Football season is almost here, which means basketball season is around the corner. So thank you very much. I'm going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.